There's a new running back back in town, another homecoming for a New Orleans area native and LSU Tiger. We got all that and a little bit of land yet for you on today's episode of Locked on Saints. You are Locked on Saints, your daily New Orleans Saints podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is good, Houdat Nation and Houdat family? Welcome in to another episode of Locked on Saints, your daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Saints, part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks so much, as always, to all you everydayers out there making Locked on Saints your first listen of the day every day. Don't forget, you can always subscribe and follow for free on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss the latest episodes. And as always, you can always continue the conversation with me one-on-one by heading over to joinsubtext.com slash locked on saints. With that, you'll be able to get uh, access to all of our exclusive film studies, Q&As, early access, inside information, all that, all in one place. And you get to be a part of a community that I would love for you to join. As always, I'm your host, Ross Jackson, at Ross Jackson Nola on your favorite social media, your New Orleans Saints expert. Credential member of the media, senior writer and reporter over at Saints News Network, Sports Illustrated's Fan Nation site covering the New Orleans Saints. You can also find me every single Tuesday in the Locked On NFL podcast and here with you every single Monday through Friday and then some on Locked On Saints. On today's episode of Locked On Saints, we're taking a look at how the first team defense was just as impressive as the first team offense during the preseason, although some things still to tweak. We're also going to go over our all 22 film notes for that defense and For the offense as well, because the Saints offense is expanding and it's a really, really good thing. But first, welcome back to the city of New Orleans, Daryl Williams. This is a really cool story for the New Orleans Saints, Uh, kind of, right? Like it's twofold. It's twofold. Let's be real. Uh, Great to see Daryl Williams, former LSU Tiger, former Marrero native. Shout out to the West Bay. Shout out uh, Marrero back at Ames is where I'm from. So that's super exciting to see. Uh, But Look, this is this doesn't come without its its wrinkle, right? Um, New Orleans Saints continue to deal with injuries at the running back position. Obviously, you know Benjamin's season is done with the Achilles tear, but you also or, or rupture rather. You also have Kirk Merritt dealing with hamstring problems. You've got uh, Kendra Miller had to leave the game dealing with a meniscus, or excuse me, I'm sorry, not meniscus, but a um, uh, a strained knee that is expected to keep him out for a week or two per Nick Underhill over at New Orleans Football. I believe that the injury happened on a play where a defensive lineman for the Kansas City Chiefs just decided to simply take flight and land on Kendra Miller's knee. Uh, not great, that's for certain. So look, uh, it's twofold. So it's twofold. So we should acknowledge that the signing of Daryl Williams is apropos something negative, but the signing of Daryl Williams itself is pretty positive. You're looking at a guy that has been able to contribute as a passing option, as a rushing option, has experience in explosive offenses and understands what it's like to be asked to do more than the standard running back on a day-to-day or on a game-to-game basis. You can go back to just the 2021 season, just a couple seasons ago. It only appeared in six games last year, but appeared in 17 games in 2021, 16 games with the Chiefs in 2020. Uh, In those seasons, you saw him utilize as a pretty good pass catching back, particularly in 2021, where he caught 47 passes for 452 yards 
and a pair of touchdowns, also racked up 19 first downs in the passing game as well, while also rushing 144 times or 558 yards, averaging just under four yards per carry. Last year, he was averaging nearly five yards per carry in the limited action that he saw with 21 carries. So it's clear that numbers-wise, this is a guy that could still contribute for you if you asked him to and if you needed him to. Let's face it, like at the most, you're seeing Daryl Williams week one maybe being the second back behind Jamal Williams. We have to consider that a possibility. Maybe Kendra Miller is healthy, but if he's missing the next two weeks, then it means that he's not really, he's not participating in the joint practices. He's not participating in the uh, joint practices with the Chargers. He's not participating in the, the preseason game against the Chargers. He's not participating in the joint practices or the game against the, the Houston Texans. Then you've got a week off. Uh, of practices, you know, you're still going to practice things like that, but you have no game, you have no big thing like that. And then you're into week one. So there's a chance that Kendra Miller is healthy enough to play week one, but are we going to see, have to see kind of a slow ramp up for him, kind of the same way that we saw that slow ramp up for Rashid Shahid last year, right? Uh, it, it'd be different, obviously, because Rashid Shahid didn't join until, you know, multiple games into the season, things like that. But we have to accept that that could be the case, that Kendra Miller will be like ready, but not mentally ready in terms of playbook and all these other things, uh, or even just live reps and mental reps and all these other pieces until maybe a couple games in. And, and, and by then, Alvin Kamara is back and all these other things. So this kind of potentially signals a little bit of a uh, just the just kind of stymieing a little bit the development and the uh, initial utilization of Kendra Miller and his involvement in the offense. But if you get a guy like Daryl Williams, or well, you add a guy like Daryl Williams, like the Saints have, they also tried out, by the way, former Mississippi State uh, running back Kylan Hill, who is a very, very gifted receiving back uh, as well. But uh, you know, you have a guy like Daryl Williams who can come in and he can rotate. He can, you know, he's played in that type of system before. He's played in a system that utilizes sort of the satellite backs and all that. He's a guy that can catch some passes for you, can run some screens, can run some outside zone, can kind of do all these things in terms of like the wide zone style offense that the Saints have kind of inter introduced some 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 things around. It's probably not, I wouldn't call their offense a wide zone offense, but they have some of those characteristics in their run game with the usage of things like read steps on their offensive line and zone runs outside, inside, all these other things. Uh, so I do think that he can contribute for you. Is he going to be the difference between a win and a loss for you? Probably not, right? Like he's going to be a guy that's going to come in and is going to be involved. But, and I don't want to put this out there, there are situations where if you needed to turn to a Daryl Williams for a little bit more than you expect, you're probably okay with that. Like you're probably fine with Daryl Williams taking on a little bit of a larger role if he needs to. And so I think that it's going to be really interesting to see what happens with him post week three. When Alvin Kamara is back in the building, you expect Kendra Miller will be healthy and back by then. Uh, Jamal Williams will still be running by then. So do you move on from Daryl Williams? Do you wave him and try to get him as a, a veteran addition to your practice squad or something to kind of keep him around that way? All those other things. And, and like we saw kind of this signing day for running backs. We saw Ezekiel Elliott sign with the New England Patriots. We saw uh, Dalvin Cook finally sign with the New York Jets, the NFL's worst kept secret. And then now you have, you know, this signing of, of Daryl Williams to New Orleans. And, and it's great to kind of see these running backs all getting their deals. I don't expect that Daryl Williams deal is going to be anything near the up to $8.4 $8. million. Dalvin Cook's getting the up to $6 million that 
uh, Ezekiel Elliott's getting. It's not going to be like that, especially for a guy who was only able to appear in six games last year. But it's going to be the type of deal that allows you to maybe make some moves and have some flexibility with that roster spot once Alvin Kamara is back. Very different than what we were discussing with Kareem Hunt, for instance. Kareem Hunt was one of those ones where he was asking for more money and he was being offered more money elsewhere. And I could see why the Saints were like, all right, go get your tryout on somewhere else because Saints were not going to pay him in competition with other teams to be a guy that maybe is on your roster, your, your, your 53-man roster for three weeks. Daryl Williams, a little bit of a different story, but obviously if he performs and he gets his opportunity here, he can make some noise. And so I'm excited to see what he's able to do, although the expectations don't need to be high. They just simply don't have to be. It's not a a lack of trust in Daryl Williams or a lack of you know belief in his ability or anything like that. It's just what do the New Orleans Saints need versus what is he in line to provide? And he might be in line to provide more than they actually need, and that could end up meaning something down the line. But at least for now, between him and Ellis Merriweather throughout the uh, preseason, it's going to be an entertaining backfield to watch. It's going to be an entertaining battle to continue to watch here all throughout training camp and what's left of it. All right, coming up next, we're going to take a look at the Saints All-22 film notes for the starting offensive unit, including uh, some of the good things that stood out that maybe won't make any highlight reels. Got that coming up for you as we continue on with today's episode of Locked on Saints, put a Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Our partners at eBay Motors have teamed up with Locked on Fantasy Football co-host Vinny Iyer to bring you the best fantasy picks each and every week, all season long. So whether you're prepping for the draft or you're scouring that waiver wire, Vinny is going to make sure that we've given you the players that can be guaranteed fits for your roster. So with draft prep underway for this upcoming season, let's see who Vinny has picked for this week's eBay's guaranteed fit fantasy pick of the week. If you're looking for a quarterback that can come in as a starter after you've decided to wait on the position, you can ride with Seattle Seahawks quarterback Geno Smith, who was the biggest surprise fantasy quarterback in 2022 with top wideouts like DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, and of course, you add the rookie dynamo in Jackson Smith in Jigba too. He's just such an established, solid option. You should feel really good about going with him a little late if you decide to wait on quarterback. Vinny Iyer over at Locked On Fantasy Football is going to help you win your fantasy football championship. And eBay Motors notes that when it comes to winning a championship, players have to be the perfect fit. And the same goes with your vehicle. With eBay's guaranteed fit and over 122 million parts and accessories available for your vehicle, you can make sure that you are uh, keeping your ride running smoothly. Air filters, brakes, batteries, taillights, alternators, shock struts, you name it, eBay Motors has it, and they'll make sure that it's the perfect fit for your car because eBay Guaranteed Fit helps you find the right parts for your vehicle and exactly what you're looking for the first time. So go forth, uh, switch gears, crank the AC. Don't worry about sweating anymore if your ride just needs a little fixing up because now you'll know that you're always set up for success from the get-go. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, everything your vehicle is calling for is at your fingertips. For the parts and accessories that fit your vehicle, just look for the green check mark, find the right parts, the right fit, all at the right price at ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. eBay's guaranteed fit available to you as customers, eligible items only, exclusions apply. All right, family, continuing on with today's episode of Locked on Saints. You know, we're always about making the smarter fan here. So let's get to our all 22 film notes 
for the opening drive for the New Orleans Saints starters. We appreciate you as always. Make it Locked on Saints your first listen of the day every day. Let's get to it. In just that first opening drive, as we mentioned in yesterday's show, we saw a lot of different things. Eye candy, window dressing. We saw a lot of the motion, all that other stuff. But the thing that I really want to focus on here are three plays in particular, the first of which was actually the very first play of the game. That play was an incomplete pass. So what are we going to possibly take from it? Actually, a lot. Uh, it was the very first play of the game. We see Chris Olave line up all by himself over on the far left side of the field and then motion across before the snap. Once the snap happens, as Derek Carr is dropping back, the play action over on the right side, the play flow was all flowing left. So they had the play flow go the opposite way of where they did the play action. Then you saw Alvin Kamara not walk away with the ball, but Derek Carr instead pull back for a rollout. And we saw Chris Olave release across the back of the formation. This is called a split zone release. This is where you have somebody crossing behind the line of scrimmage, behind the offensive line, kind of getting lost sometimes in the mix of it all and ended up having a lot of green grass out in front of him if he and Derek Carr were able to connect on that pass. So one of the things that we talked about with Chris Olave going into the season as he continues to take all of his steps forward is how do you create a little more yards after catch opportunity for him? Well, scheme is a good way to do it. Here was an example. They were all motioning out to the right. Derek Carr throws. He gets it just out of reach of Chris Olave. But with Chris Olave's speed, if you hit him in stride, he's got green grass and a lot of speed to go and get those yards after catch. Players don't need to be able to create for themselves if the scheme and the system can create for them. That was a big thing that we saw. Expect to see a lot of that this year for Chris Olave. And as I did the actual like film study with film, which if you're interested in that, join subtext.com slash locked on saints is the place to go. Free for 14 days, $4.99 per month after that. But I promise film studies, all this other stuff will make it all worth it if you want to try it out. Um, Ernest, one of our, our, our subtexters wrote back to me, sent me a text and said, hey, that Chris Olave play, imagine that would probably be run with Rashid Shahid if he were healthy. Boom. There's another way that that ends up getting installed. That's a great observation by Ernest. You not only have guys like Chris Olave with a lot of speed, but you've got guys like Rashid Shahid with world-class speed to run that with going through this season. We've already seen stuff like that with Rashid over the course of training camp as well with some of the jet sweeps, some of the split, some of the end around action, things like that. So that was a big highlight for me, even though that play wasn't even complete. The second one, of course, was the big run play, the, the, the big run uh, over toward the right side by Alvin Kamara. That was great. You had a, a eight man box for the defense and you were able to get hat on hat all across the side. And then you left one of the edge rushers all by himself over on the backside of the play. It was perfectly schemed up, well blocked by the entire offensive line. Uh, I, I put a screenshot of it up on, uh, I'm still going to call it Twitter. I'm sorry. I'm just doing it. Um, so we got a screenshot over of it on Twitter of just the way that it was blocked. Adam Prentice with the lead block, uh, Chris Olave downfield blocking, uh, Michael Thomas getting involved over on the perimeter as well. So that was just one of those solid moments that you saw that ends up showing you, hey, this is what the New Orleans Saints can be on the offensive side when the offensive line is healthy and another nod in favor of James Hurst in this situation as well. Finally, the last play that I want to look at was the just over 10-yard completion to Juwan Johnson. This was a well-schemed up play. You had two receivers on the outside, Chris Olave, as well as Keith Kirkwood, actually, lining up on the outside, both running vertical routes down the field. And then you had uh, Michael Thomas in the slot. 
Um, you had Jawan Johnson in line and then Alvin Kamara kind of flaring to the outside right uh, of the formation. When he flares to the outside right, especially after some motion, you know that this is going to be a man coverage situation that pulls one of the linebackers out of the box. That left one linebacker in the middle with eight defenders and or, or six defenders, excuse me, or no, it was a total of eight defenders and then five total players that could potentially run the route. So you have a safety that's back deep, you have corners that are manned up on players, and you have a linebacker that's manned up. And so you just kind of have this free roaming linebacker in the middle. A lot of scheming up opportunities for players is all about creating conflict defenders, forcing them to make a choice and having a quarterback that can watch them make that choice and then make the other choice in terms of where to go with the ball. And this is going to happen a lot if you see Michael Thomas lined up in the slot. Not only is he going to draw the attention of the slot defender, but he's going to draw the attention of the roaming protector or the roaming coverage player as well in that sort of plus one coverage situation that Kansas City was in. That's exactly what happened. That linebacker chose to go to the right side of the field. That left Juwan Johnson one-on-one on the out, or the left side of the field, sorry. That left Juwan Johnson wide open or, or one-on-one on the right side of the field. He runs a nice kind of like sluggo type of route or maybe a, like uh, kind of like a corner post almost. Um, and he he fakes out the defender and then bam, you've got you know Derek Carr who checks the deep route first. Always check the deep route, see if it's going to work, especially you got Chris Olave on the outside. Then come back, see where that linebacker goes. Linebacker chose left, you go right, boom, delivery was right on time. You love it. So these are all a couple of things. We went in depth. We did all 12 offensive plays, including the penalty, including the false start over on subtext. But this just gives you an idea of how the New Orleans Saints offense is continuously expanding from what we saw from last year. And this is one of the reasons why you should be excited. It was just one drive, like Derek Carr mentioned, and as New Orleans not football, like based the whole piece around, it was just one drive, but it's worth being excited about and this is all it. It's not just about Derek Carr being able to, you know, get the ball out and, and do everything he's got to do there, but the offensive play calling and the offensive play design encouraging as well. We also saw some encouraging stuff from the first and second team defense in terms of play design. The New Orleans Saints didn't hold a lot back for uh, this preseason game. Not very vanilla at all. Let's break it down as we continue on with today's episode of Locked on Saints, part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it, Houdat Nation. Wrap it up today's episode of Locked on Saints. Just as impressive as the New Orleans Saints first team offense was, so too was the New Orleans Saints first team defense. That first team getting a couple of possessions and found ways to show you just how good this defense can be going into 2023. Appreciate all of you everydayers, of course, as always, making Locked on Saints your first listen of the day every day. Let's take a look at the New Orleans Saints defense or rather discussed the New Orleans Saints first team defense. So um, this was uh, highlighting two players in particular for me felt like the right way to go for this. The first of which being linebacker Pete Werner, the second of which being defensive tackle Colin Saunders. If you wanted to know why the New Orleans Saints invested in Colin Saunders so quickly in this year's free agency, along with fellow defensive tackle Nathan Shepard, this preseason game, this one possession or two possessions during the preseason game that you got to see him explained absolutely every bit as to why because Colin Saunders is an absolute stud everything we thought about him if you've been an everydayer here for a while since the 2019 draft class I believe that was the year that he came out 
and we were talking about Colin Saunders and talking about his backflip videos and all this other stuff that he was doing. I think there was actually, I, I you know, was talking on the Section 600 podcast at that time about him and everything. It, it just made so much sense. And so now to see him four years later with two championship rings and, you know, with a ton more experience in the NFL show up in New Orleans, you can see the difference. I mean, this is a guy that was winning with finesse, but then was also winning with power. And then he could cheat with finesse and then convert to power. There were a lot of things that he did that is just savvy veteran stuff. Um, give Colin Saunders a second contract now, please, with the team, because I can see where he is going to be good for a long time. And that's not just me. And look, the evaluation of him being good for a long time is not based on this one preseason game. I've been watching Colin Saunders his entire career because he was one of my favorite draft prospects. He's going to be in the NFL for a long time. And as a Saints fan, you should feel very happy that now there is potential that that long career continues here in New Orleans. And I think that he put on display some of the reasons why uh, in that preseason game. So when you look at the very first snap of the Kansas City Chiefs offense, the first team offense that was out there, you saw them run that kind of swing pass to the outside to uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. And it was a play that uh, very quickly you could see Colin Saunders get involved in. Um, Coming from the defensive interior, he's coming in. He immediately gets his hands, just long arms, on that offensive guard, controls the movement, swipes to the left, and then is able to get outside in that open space and be able to help to chase down and try to make the stop on Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. He wasn't the one that ended up making the stop, but it was the combination of Tyron Matthew and Pete Werner. And it's Tyron Matthew, Pete Werner, Nephi Sewell, it's Cam, no, it's Carl Granderson, it's uh, Bradley Roby, and it's Nathan Shepard all to the ball. Six defenders for the New Orleans Saints all around that football when that tackle is made and Colin Saunders made contact at an earlier point. These are the big differences between a New Orleans Saints defense that struggles to tackle and a New Orleans Saints defense that will not let you gain another yard. That's the type of attitude you want to see from this defense. The motor of a guy like Colin Saunders is something that absolutely shows you that that's, or not that shows you, but like that motor on Colin Saunders fits so incredibly well with that type of mentality, I guess I'll say. Uh, We also saw a couple of great plays from Pete Werner. Pete Werner crashing down for a huge, huge run, run stop to where he was actually motioned or following motion and following sort of the rotation uh, of the of the defense. He actually ended up having to, or, or of the offense, he ended up actually having to move from the right side of the defensive formation to the left side of the defensive formation. He and Nephi Sewell swapped, uh, or actually he and Zach Bond swapped with Nephi Sewell in the middle. And so once that snap happens, you can see Pete Werner key in. He's watching in the backfield. Linebackers will always play the run first, right? So his eyes are in the backfield. He's watching all of it happen. He's got an offensive lineman bearing down on him as Deuce Windham from over, uh, who also did his film study this week, uh, called it dead to right. But what does Pete Werner do? Get skinny, attacks the hole, and then is back there. Same thing. He doesn't make the tackle, but guess who does? That's right. It was Colin Saunders. So these are the types of things that you're seeing. And not only was it Colin Saunders, Colin Saunders was there. Pete Werner got back involved. Uh, Paul Sinadibo was in there. Cam Jordan's in the mix. Again, many hats to the football. Four players to tackle one, six players to tackle one. And it's not because that one player wouldn't go down. It was because those four players, those six players wanted to make sure what? That that player didn't gain another yard. That's the mentality for this New Orleans Saints defense right now.
The other thing that I really loved was another uh, another play to where you saw a good pressure, but this time it came from, uh, or actually no, it, it was uh, it was the the last play of the starter series. So when we get to that last play, we actually saw the defensive line kind of rotate a little bit. Uh, Cam Jordan and Carl Granderson remained on the outside, but the defensive interior kind of shifted a little bit, and we saw um, we saw in this case Brian Brzee come in in place of. Colin Saunders. And when Brian Brzee comes in, he gives a little spin move. He ends up having kind of this ace block in the middle of the defense. That's going to happen. But this is the thing that we talked about. What are the things that Colin Saunders and Brian Brzee, what are the things that they can do to create one-on-one opportunities everywhere else? They have to be able to occupy two blockers. You saw that with Brian Brzee's first snap. You saw that with several snaps for Colin Saunders. We're going to get to the rookie report in a moment. And there's a fantastic play by Brian Brzee in there uh, as well. So uh, I think that, you know, you see this is an, an occasion where they get the one-on-ones. The other guys that have the one-on-ones, they don't necessarily win them. There's not a lot of pressure there. The quarterback can kind of feel the pressure, but it's not one to where it's really bearing down on him. He guns towards the outside. Marcus May crashes down and is able to dive and then make the uh, make the PBU uh, with that target headed over to uh, whoever number 83 is. I'm sorry. Uh, uh, was that Noah Gray, I think? And so... These are the types of things that you want to see. You can see the defensive line win. And when the defensive line doesn't necessarily win, can the secondary step up? Bam. You see that right there in the exchange. So a nice little bookend of moments between uh, between those couple of plays. I'm going to mention as well another one that I really enjoyed. Um, this was another one where we saw Brian Brzee have a nice kind of push towards the outside. It opened up the middle of the field. Coverage was golden across the field. It was third and what is this one? Third and six. This is where Patrick Mahomes tried to run up the middle. Brian Brzee was able to come out close. It slowed up Patrick Mahomes a little bit as he gets to the point where he's about to slide. He's got two defenders that are around him. Because Brian Brzee made that initial contact and slowed Patrick Mahomes up, that could have been the difference between a five yard run and a, or a five yard and two foot run to a five yard and three foot run, which would have been a six yard run. That's the type of small differences that you want to see. So the motor showing there for Brian Brzee. Finally, the last play that I'll highlight here is just a fantastic play by Pete Werner. Pete Werner's instincts off the charts for this play. The the Kansas City Chiefs known for doing some tricky stuff behind the line of scrimmage, especially on third down. Um, you know, they come out in the shotgun, they load up the offensive line. They've got six offensive linemen out there. You've got Travis Kelsey in the backfield as well. Uh, or not Travis Kelsey, who is that bell? Uh, that's in the backfield as well. Uh, bell kind of motions to the left and then he comes back. He comes on, he gets under center as he gets under center. You can actually see Marcus May and Pete Werner communicating over on the left side. They're watching for this. Pete Werner is ready and raring to go. He's already kind of sidestepping ready for the snap. Um, because everyone crashes into the middle, it opens up a lane right on the outside for Pete Werner to just get back there, get his hands around the waist of the tight end and start yanking back. It was just great play recognition, understanding Patrick Mahomes in the back somewhere trying to pretend like he's confused on the sideline. No one's fooled by this anymore, Patrick. It's it, we, Everybody's seen the film already. Uh, it's not true, actually. A lot of teams are still fooled by this. So this is one of the things, right? You're not prepared for this in the preseason, maybe? Well, the New Orleans Saints defense was. Uh, Pete Werner gets around the formation, stays tight to the back of the offensive line, which doesn't give the running back time to step up. He gets back there, gets his arms around the waist of the tight end. And then what? Gang tackling. You see 
Pete Werner, Zach Bond, Nathan Shepard's in there, Marcus May getting around the corner as well. And even though um, Pete Werner makes that first contact, who's the one that stops the forward progress? Of course, it's Colin Saunders. So these are the things that you wanted to see. And, and maybe the thing that I was most excited about uh, coming into this game was to see, like, what's the progress of the interior defensive line after losing the players that they lost over the course of the offseason? Turns out, pretty, pretty good. All right, y'all. That's all of our notes uh, from all of this. Tomorrow's, uh, so, so today's practice for the New Orleans Saints is in the afternoon. So I won't be able to go live until like 7, 8 o'clock p.m. Central Time. Come through if you can. No big deal. You know that if you can't catch it live, it'll always be posted for later. But we are due back to two-a-days starting then uh, on Tuesday. Wednesday, only the one show in the morning, traveling to Los Angeles that day, or not at Los Angeles, but Orange County that day. And then we're back to two-a-days for Thursday and Friday, getting you ready for the game. And then we'll be here for the postcast on Sunday right after the game as well. So we got all that coming up for you here on Locked on Saints. Appreciate you as always, y'all, for making Locked on Saints your first listen of the day every day. And I thank you very much for making us a part of your day, part of your routine, for saying yes to me and the show. As always, if you see me, say hi. And if you need anything else around your New Orleans Saints in between these episodes, make sure you follow me on Twitter at Ross Jackson, N-O-L-A. Hit me up. Let me know how the family's doing. Let me know how you're living. Let me know how you mom and them. And trust you, that nation. I'll holla at you. Mike Rowe here with a few thoughts on my favorite sweatshirt a classic zip-up hoodie that used to be navy blue but has since faded to what the fashionistas call a distressed indigo. It's 13 years old, soft as a flannel bathrobe, and after a few hundred dirty jobs, demonstrably and undeniably indestructible. This is the kind of sweatshirt girlfriends like to permanently borrow, but I've held on to this one because I got it from American Giant. American Giant makes all their stuff right here in the USA so they can control every link in their own supply chain. That matters, because when you buy American Giant, you not only get great quality, you create jobs for people in factory towns all over the country. No pressure, but if you give a damn about the business of making things in America, you got to support the companies who are doing it right. Go to American-Giant.com slash Mike to get 20% off your first order. That's American-Giant.com slash Mike. 